All right, hello everyone. Welcome to uh, the weekly UK Sangha. Uh, we I hold I host these talks every every Wednesday, 12 p.m. PST. I uh, uh, you can come and ask questions. You can come and meditate, listen along. Um, but anyone's welcome. And uh, today uh, I have a sutta prepared, um, but before I read the sutta, something I was uh, mentioning is um, when we stop and we meditate formally, so when we meditate uh, sitting down, uh, you're, you can close your eyes, but you don't have to close your eyes. Maybe you just like look down, but the important thing is you're not focusing on anything in particular in your field of vision. You're just letting all of your vision wash in uh, without focusing in on, so without like scanning the room or looking anywhere else. You could just be looking straight ahead and uh, not focus on anything and just kind of let the whole spectrum of your field of vision come in. Um, that's equally meditative as closing your eyes. So there's no like better way that you need to close your eyes. You don't need to close your eyes. But anyways, uh, when you formally meditate, um, this gives us an opportunity. This gives, gives us a chance to see what the mind does habitually. Because when you stop doing anything and the kinds of thoughts that come up when you stop doing anything, those thoughts aren't based on any new input, for example. So it's not based on anything you're interacting with the world because you're kind of just stopping interacting with the world, right? So those thoughts are completely based on in, uh, internal tendencies. So it's important to recognize uh, what is the habit of my mind. So when I stop and I meditate, does all kinds of worries and doubts come up and all kinds of anxieties and fears and uh, unwholesome thoughts come up? And if they do, then that's good because now we can find the culprit that's causing you suffering in the rest of your life when you're doing stuff, right? So the, the tendencies of your mind that causes you suffering when you sit down and do nothing is the tendencies of mind uh, that we can see more clearly when we're not interacting with the world. So when we're just sitting and meditating. And um, it's important to recognize what it the mind is doing and to recognize whether, in fact, it is either wholesome or unwholesome, because this is going to be the, the determining factor for the right effort that you take uh, to come out of uh, the unwholesome into the wholesome for the sake of uh, bringing an end to your psychological suffering and psychological pain. Um, so it's it's nothing like personal, really. It's not like, oh, I have a my mind is like shitty and I have like shitty habits. No, it's just what the causes of your conditions up to this point have led up to has created this reaction mechanism that's been installed in your brain that you have the power with uh, clear comprehension and uh, and wisdom and um, 
paying attention, waking up to the habits of your mind, you have the power to actually change that for your own good and for the good of everyone. So that's essentially the purpose of meditation. And that's the purpose of the Dhamma. Uh, if people teach anything else other than that, then they're missing the point. And that's a perfect segue into the sutta. Um, a couple, I think it was it was a while back, I think maybe four or five months ago, um, I had a talk with Dhamma Otto asking him, what are the most important suttas? And this was one of them. And this one's interesting to me because it's not from uh, the middle length discourses. So it's not from the Majjhima Nikaya, which is where I read most of the suttas from. Like that's the bulk of the suttas that I've read. I've read from from the Samyutta Nikaya, of course, but uh, this one's from the Anguttara Nikaya, the Book of Threes. Okay, so it's one of the collections or bodies of uh, of discourses that the Buddha gave. And uh, so I posted the link in the chat. Um, maybe I should post it like a couple days in advance so people can read it before I, I bring it up. But uh, maybe next week. But uh, the for those of you watching the video, this is the Anguttara Nikaya 3.65. And I'm reading the Bhikkhu Bodhi translation just because uh, I've gotten used to the way that Bo uh, Bodhi translates um, certain recurring phrases in the Dhamma. So for the sake of consistency, I always read the Bodhi translation if there is one because he, trans yeah. he translates the same um, the same terms the same way every time, and 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 the and the same terms keep coming up. Okay, let's get into it. All righty, bring up the tab. All right. On one occasion, the Blessed One was wandering on tour among the. Kasalans, together with a large Sangha of monks, when he reached the town of the Kasalamas named Kesuputta. The Kal Kal Kalamas of Kesuputta heard it is said that the ascetic Gotama, the son of the Sakyans, who went forth from a Sakyan family, has arrived at Kesuputta. Now, a good report about that master Gotama has circulated thus. That blessed one is an arhat, perfectly enlightened, reveals a spiritual life that is perfectly complete and pure. Now it is good to see such arhats. Then the Kalamas of Kesaputta approached the blessed one. Some paid homage to the blessed one and sat down on one side. Some kept silent and sat down to one side, sitting to one side. The Kalama said to the Blessed One, Bhante, there are some ascetics and Brahmins who come to Kesaputta. They explain and elucidate their own doctrines, but disparage, denigrate, deride, and denounce the doctrines of others. But then some other ascetics and Brahmins come to Kesaputta, and they too explain and elucidate their own doctrines, but disparage, denigrate, deride, and denounce the doctrines of others. We are perplexed and in doubt, and in doubt, Bonte, as to which of these good ascetics speak 
truth and which speech falsehood. Okay, yeah, so you can see this happening even today. There's all kinds of different teachings that are available in the spiritual marketplace, and everyone's trying to sell you this or sell you that, so to speak, even within Buddhism. Okay, there's different parts of Buddhism teaching different things. So people are confused, you know? People who get into meditation or spirituality, they don't know what to believe or like who's right. Uh, so this is essentially the same old problem that's come up way back then that still comes up now. It is fitting for you to be perplexed, Kalamas. Fitting for you to be in doubt. Doubt has arisen in you about a per perplexing matter. Come, Kalamas, do not go by oral tradition, by lineage of teaching, by hearsay, by a collection of scriptures, by logical reasoning, by inferential reasoning, by reasoned cognition, by the acceptance of a view after pondering it, by the seeming competence of a speaker, or because you think this ascetic is our guru. But when, Kalamas, you know for yourself, these things are unwholesome, these things are blameworthy, these things are censored by the wise, these things, if accepted and undertaken, lead to harm and suffering, then you should abandon them. Right, so the, the, the reason why I laugh is because, like, I'm, I've been exposed to exactly what the Buddha is talking about in the present day. And he's talked about it way back then. So it's kind of blowing my mind. So most people, when they go to a spiritual tradition, they follow that tradition because either by hearsay, so they just believe what they're saying. That's what hearsay is. Someone tells you something happened, but you weren't there to see it happen. For example, if I tell you that oh my guru my teacher my guru was is reincarnated version of sariputta that would be hearsay right like how are you fucking supposed to verify that how are you supposed to believe that you know so that's hearsay um that's not something based on experiential wisdom <laughs> and that happens a lot and by a collection of scriptures so i read the suttas but I read the suttas because it points to truths that are inherent in my experience now. Um, by logical reasoning, this is another one. A lot of uh, non-duality non and Advaita is like this. So they'll use like, like uh, rationalization and reasoning for why, for instance, consciousness is everything or something, or uh, there's only one reality or something like that, something to that extent. And that's why you should be happy. So logical reason, by inferential reasoning, by reason cognition, by acceptance of a view after pondering it. So thinking about someone proposes a view to you, you think about it for long enough, and then you adopt that view as your new paradigm. So really what happens there is you're just replacing one paradigm with another paradigm. So it's not, even though you replaced it with that new fancy spiritual paradigm, it's not really getting to the root of the problem that's causing your suffering. Uh, so it still won't satisfy you. Uh, okay. And then uh, here's a good one. This ascetic is our guru. 
So this is the path of the guru. It's very common in Hinduism and stuff. Uh, I mean, I guess it works for some people, but there's always going to be that like childlike dependence on that guru. Oh, it's true because my guru said it is true. He's the guru, you know. But uh, when you know for yourselves, this is unwholesome. This is causing my suffering. For example, this thought that I'm having right now is unwholesome and it's causing my suffering. When you know for yourself that by waking up to your own experience, like what's going on in your own experience, that's what lets you abandon that. So that's what puts you on the path to become your own guru, your own Buddha, instead of like believing in a hearsay. All right, so I'm going to continue with the sutta. What do you think, Kalamas, when greed arises in a person? Is it for his welfare or for his harm? For his harm, Bhante. Kalamas, a greedy person overcome by greed with a mind obsessed by it, destroys life, takes what is not given, transgresses with another's wife. Okay, so sleeps with sleeps with uh, a married woman or just gets up all, to all kinds of like uh, like uh, degenerate, like sneaky kind of stuff like that, um, and speaks falsehood. And he encourages others to do likewise. Will that lead to his harm and suffering for a long time? Yes, Bhante. So, I mean, it's not like some kind of spiritual comma belief you have to believe. Um, and yeah, go ahead. If you type something, I'll make sure to read it. Uh, it's pretty harsh. Um, but um, yeah, it's not something about like some magical belief in comma. It's just common sense. Like if you do, if you live your life as a greedy person, that's going to create suffering in your life. That's going to create complications. It's going to create problems. It's going to be create a web of lies, right? It's going to create multiple personalities within yourself that you can't just you're not unified you're always changing you're always lying to yourself even justifying your actions so you don't feel guilty about it and lying to other people and this creates a lot of conflict a lot of internal misery and anguish and it just reinforces the cycle of trying to get things from other people being greedy you know being covetous taking taking what's not yours, trying to exploit others, okay? These people are not happy people on the inside. So yeah, that living your life like that does lead to your harm and suffering for a long time. It doesn't mean that Sky Daddy's going to punish you when you die because you've been a bad boy. Like, that's not kind of like woo-woo shit like that. Okay, question. Question popped up here in the chat. A woman wakes up post multiple sitting and relive a childhood abuse situation. She remembers being raped as a child and is angry at the person who hurt her. She's insanely pissed. She's angry as hell. She has a right to be. She needs to express it right. How do you explain to her hate being unwholesome? I mean, I think that her hatred has to be expressed however she needs to maybe write it out or beat up a pillow, or yell, or scream, 
and talk to someone rather than immediately be told it's unwholesome and shove it to their own self. So yeah, this is a really good question. Um, so people who have gone through particularly troubling situations, especially in early childhood, um, that were so abused and so mistreated that it would seem kind of strange to tell them, yeah, just don't be mad about that. That's going to hurt you. So there's a time and a place to tell things, okay? So you don't, so the, the, the thing that, that I would do for this person is not go straight to the content, contentious issue. Those, that deep seated uh, problem, we don't have to think about that right now. We could talk about something else. We could talk about something wholesome, you know, things that get that person smiling, get that person feeling good, get that person not thinking about that stuff. Okay. So not, so it's not as if you have to forgive that person necessarily, or, or like kind of go back and solve the problem of the past. No, it's just that right now, if, if we are thinking about that, that is causing a whole lot of suffering for that person to think about that and for that anger to come up. So to help this person, you can give them the power, let them know that they have the power themselves to think about something else, right? To think about something else that's wholesome, something that makes them feel good, something that's healing, okay? And so to, for, 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 to explain it in that way, it's, it's more of a, it's more of a practice to help heal that trauma rather than solve it or justify it, right? Of course, this person has a right to be angry, right? But to somehow explain at the right time, maybe you don't come guns blazing. You're, you're going to say. So, so it depends on the context, right? Right. Ch chances are, if, if you're talking to this person, you know, you can read different cues and know whether something's the right time to say it. For instance, if they ask you about it, right? I wouldn't even bring it up to begin with. I would just talk about the Dhamma. And the they, it's for them to know for themselves to let go of that anger internally. I would never tell that person, you need to let go of that anger. It's for them to know to themselves. But I can teach, I can teach universally the truth that anger leads to your own suffering. That's not a specific teaching. So that applies to everybody, right? And no matter how justified the anger is, that anger is causing suffering. So if anger leads to someone fighting for their freedom, 
that's that's a really vague question that doesn't it ha it, like if you're going to ask a question it has to be way more specific than that <laughs> Because I don't know what you mean by fighting for their freedom. I, it's, it's totally just kind of a really broad question that I wouldn't be able to answer with any kind of a specific answer. Well, you, <laughs> so you can take, you can take action to improve your situation without being angry. You can even let's say some you can even kill someone without hating them obviously the buddha teaches not to take life of a living being but i'm not of the persuasion that if someone comes into your, let's say you have a wife and kids and someone breaks into your house and is going to kill your wife and kids you can actually uh you can actually yes anger is bad that's where it is definitely bad anger causes your suffering but i'm saying is that you can take the right action without hating someone. You can defend yourself without hating someone. You can uh, you can do what you need to do to protect yourselves and protect your loved ones without hate, without hatred, without enmity. So I okay okay, Sharash, th these are good questions, but I'm just gonna I'm gonna continue with the sutta um, because it gets into that like. Uh, the Buddha explicitly, explicitly explains that uh, anger and hatred does lead to your own harm and suffering. And if you disagree with that, um, then try it out. Try it out. Try being angry and full of hate and see how that feels. You know, personally, it doesn't feel very good to me, like in my own experience. Uh, it doesn't feel good to hate. You know, when you hate someone, when you're angry, that feels really shitty on the inside. Uh, so I, <laughs> I'm going to continue with the sutta. Uh, if, if you want to ask another question, you're going to have to pop on the on the voice and then and then and then like maybe we could have a more constructive dialogue. And no, I don't mind. Please. I think it, I think they're actually very good questions. So uh, I don't mind at all. But for the sake of uh, I think the reason why I want to get back to the sutta is I think it'll actually answer some of these questions, at least from the perspective of the teaching of the Buddha. All I'm here to do is teach the Buddha Dhamma, not my Dhamma. So this is what the Buddha said, and I follow it, and I found the results for myself. And for anyone who sees the truth of it, they can also um, come to realize the same fruits, no matter how traumatic of the past that you had. Okay, what do you think, Kalamas, when greed arises? Okay, yeah, greed is bad, leads to harm and suffering. Okay, what do you think, Kalamas, when hatred arises in a person? Is it for his welfare or for his harm? For his harm, Bante. Kalamas, a person who is full of hate, overcome by hatred, with mind obsessed by it, destroys life, and he encourages others to do likewise. Will that lead to his harm and suffering for a long time? Yes, Pante. What do you think, Kalamas, when delusion arises in a person? Is it for his welfare or for his harm? 
for is harm, Bhante. Kalamas, a person who is deluded, overcome by delusion, with mind obsessed by it, destroys life, and it encourages others to do likewise. Will that lead to his harm and suffering for a long time? Yes, Bhante. Okay, so delusion. Delusion is a very important word, and it's a foundational tenet of Buddhism, or the teachings of the Buddha. Um, delusion, in a nutshell, is everything we mentally imagine is true rather than the facts of the matter, right? So, in other words, everything that we imagine is true about the future is not the experience of the future itself when it comes as a present experience. So that mental imagining, that thought construction that we make, and we take it to be true as if it has actually already happened, or as if it's going to happen, or as if it's as if it's is happening, that would be delusion. And it's the same for the past. So obviously we use thoughts of the past and the future for practical purposes. It's necessary for the survival of our biological organism. And that's why the program is so deeply installed in us to think about the past and the future. I'm not saying to stop thinking about the past and the future, but to not confuse the thought about the past and the future for the reality of our experience, which always comes in the form of a current thought, a current sense perception, uh, and a current feeling, and so on. So to imagine the past and take that as the truth of the situation is delusional. So it's a must. It's it's a much broader term for delusion than not like by this def definition, most people alive would be delusional. So I'm not just talking about people who wear tinfoil hats and uh, think that think uh, believe in all kinds of crazy conspiracies and think the aliens are coming to get them or something. I'm not just talking about that kind of delusion, right? I'm talking about the delusion where we imagine all kinds of problems that aren't actually here right now. So we're in a room here, we're safe, there's no danger, but we can imagine all kinds of dangers, either from the past or the future, and then we can think and feel as if they're here right now in reality. So that is what delusion actually is. Um, and yeah, so it's a much, most people in that, by that definition would be delusional because most people live their lives uh, in, in the thought construct of the past and the future rather than in the senses. So in the experience of the breath right now, in the experience of the body right now, and just staying in that and only using thoughts of the past and the future for practical purposes. So, you know, to navigate your life, to sustain your livelihood, to take care of your loved ones, to do whatever it is you need to do. All those thoughts are useful and practical. I'm not saying those are delusional. I'm talking about the thoughts about the past and the future that the, they have no practical benefit 
and the sole purpose of those thoughts is creating psychological suffering for yourself unnecessarily. So the good news is that we can actually get rid of all this unnecessary mental activity and we can avoid a whole ton of mental anguish and suffering because of that. Okay. Okay, what do you think, Kalamas? Are these things unwholesome or or are these things wholesome or unwholesome? Unwholesome, Bonte. Blameworthy or blameless? Blameworthy, Bonte. Censored or praised by the wise? Censored by the wise, Bonte. Accepted and undertake, undertaken? Do they lead to harm and suffering or not? Or how do you take it? Accepted and undertaken. These th things lead to harm and suffering, so we take it. All right, so just realizing in your direct experience for yourself whether something is causing you mental suffering right now. That's for you to know. Okay. Not me for not for me to preach and you to believe it. The only thing I'm recommending here is looking at the activity of your own mind and seeing for yourself. Is this painful? <laughs> That's it. If it's not painful, enjoy. Right? If you enjoy hating people, be my guest. You know? Nobody's stopping it. It's a free country. All right. That got a laugh out of Siraj, so. <laughs> All right, thus Kalamas, when we said, come Kalamas, do not go by oral tradition, but when you know for yourself, these things are unwholesome, these things are blameworthy, these things are censored by the wise, these things, if undertaken and practiced, lead to harm and suffering, then you should abandon them. Yeah, but so yeah, it's the important thing is don't abandon them by hearsay because it's a moral code that you're following out of fear, right? abandon them out of the wisdom that you've seen for yourself that oh this is hurting me so i'm gonna stop doing that <laughs> right it's like you put your hand in the flame you get you feel the pain and then you know your monkey brain makes the connection oh fire in hand hot take out Come, Kalamas. Do not go by oral tradition. But when you know for yourself, these things are unwholesome. These things are blameworthy. These things are censored by the wise. Come, Kalamas. Do not go by oral tradition, by lineage of teaching, by hearsay. Yeah, go ahead. Leave. Nobody's forcing you to be here. Please leave. No, I want to join. Oh, yes. Join, join, join. Of course. I thought you were saying to. No, no, no. Yeah, that, that, no, that's wonderful. Uh, of course. <laughs> yeah. I don't know your name. Uh, my name is Scott. But, you know, I think you are a Kalama. What is a Kalama? 
you the people you're reading about you know you can't just you can't go by the text you can't go by the oral oral uh, oral whatever you know the oral knowledge the logical reasoning the conscience i mean you yourself have to use your lived experience you know and answer a question you can't just read a thing and first of all i mean i, I respect you working so hard to find these texts and i myself whenever we all us meditators we love finding these old texts and reading them but we have to you know you got to respect their limitations they are translations the you know non hatred is he didn't write in english the buddha spoke in pali which was then translated over and over again until you got non hatred and you know i just feel like scott there is a problem in in what in this thing that we do which is we we are just making it another kind of catholic church where it's like you have to be this perfect jesus like figure you know you have to be this perfect arahant who doesn't hate he doesn't have anger he has no greed i'm pretty sure if the buddha existed and somebody came to his monastery and broke the rules he would be very vicious and cruel immediately you know reprimand them but then also i mean there had to be an order to have a society and a civilization you know and i mean i myself live in india we've heard all these stories from our childhood and i just want to tell you that you know there is a certain certain naiveness and child like innocence in the way you approach it which which is why it's so beautiful and why you're so you are innocent you you are but you 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 are also just repressing the evil inside you you know which is i just want to say that that evil is also the buddha also had that evil part in him which and I, it's not necessarily a bad part you know it's a part that he i think wholly accepted and and being hateful being angry having all these things is a part of it and i think that as a culture as people you i don't know what happened to you when you were kid whether you how your relationship with your parents was other people have you know but a lot of hurt people come to buddhism because it does give them a sense of peace and a lot of the times we repress a lot of shit that happened to us we just fucking shove it down and wear another kind of a neck tie which is this i'm a peaceful buddhist dude now and i'm just watching my sensations i get it we're all watching our sensations we're being equanimous with them but not at the cost of repressing our entire lives and also acknowledging the all the other new technologies in the world psychology journaling and you know i mean you you yourself were like loki taking a dump on vedanta in this talk and i also find them really funny being hindu i find them ridiculous but like yo that's exactly what the kalamas were talking about these dudes come to the buddha and then they take shit on all these other things and they just say you know they'll say this is crap that's good this is it you know you're right nothing's changed since then till now that's what you said in the beginning and right about that but let's put a fucking mirror in front of this thing dog let's do that let's be real man cuz like this ain't it this is not just it right there is i mean we cannot just become robots of like sensation observing robots and then go till the grass and feed the cow and then meditate i mean you have a lived experience you got to acknowledge you can't just dissect yourself and 
be this perfect ideal. And that's what I mean. You know, I, never against- I never claimed that. I never claimed that I was this perfect ideal. I don't, I don't claim that. I'm just talking about the practice. So I'm talking about for the purpose of meditation here. So like, yeah, I get angry. I, you know, I, and I've had a lot of problems with getting angry and a lot of anger and resentment towards my father and like what he did to me. Um, and, but actually undertaking this practice has greatly improved my, my anger tendencies. Does it mean I never get angry? No, but my happiness has increased as a result of this practice by a huge margin. So I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying so. Yeah. Like I'm not trying to make this another like religious dogma, which for some people it will be. And even if it is a religious dogma, it's still better than just going out and hating without any restraint and just, you know, I, I agree with what you mean in one way, but no, because even if, if it's not, if you're not just hating out like that and, and you are in a dogmatic sense holding yourself down, you're carrying a huge burden and that is not what the Buddha the Buddha wanted you to do. And no, I, I agree. <laughs> I agree with you. He doesn't want you to be like, you know, you're pissed at your dad. You did, your dad did some hateful shit. And it's okay for you to hate him, bro. It is okay. The Buddha would be like, hey, okay, your dad not cool. And you know what? I find... I, and I understand that we have these lofty heights of ideals set up for all of us saying that, like, hey, man, forgiveness. We must forgive everybody. No, we can't forgive no, that, everybody. So. No, I, that's not what I'm saying. I'm not even saying you need to forgive it. I'm saying that you rip, obsessing about thinking about over and over your dad who's not here right now and causing mm-hmm. yourself all kinds of anger and hatred to come up and all okay. kinds of psychological suffering to come up now. I'm not talking about ever. I'm just talking about right now. Yeah. That tendency to obsess about it will make you feel like shit. Yes. That's yeah. a fact. God, that's we a know fact. That. And that's, that's what I'm saying. And I'm saying, and then if you go to your dad and you ask, oh, how, like he, he felt the same way about his dad, who felt the yeah. same way about his dad. So it's like you can carry that hatred and then end up being the same person your dad was to your kids. Or you can change the tendency and realize, oh, I don't have to obsess about people who wronged me. I cannot think about that. If someone is wronging you, I'm not saying be totally passive. Oh, I need to be a saint and just accept it. No, I'm saying defend yourself. Do what you need to do. I'm not saying that. I'm not preaching anything like that. Yes. But I'm saying you obsessing mentally over shit that you're imagining about that happened in the past, no matter how traumatic, is will cause you pain right now. And it right. may and and it that you're right. Like there's certain situations where that may be too blunt or upfront to just say that to them right away. So there may be a, a stepping stones to that for them, most importantly for them to realize it for themselves. I'm being very honest with you. I don't even care if the perpetrators realize it or not. Because you know what? Because they did what they could and they are a different generation. Let's just figure out us, right? 
Yeah, exactly. that's all we really can do. We we can't go and change 35, 40 generation. But if we can change us, then our kids and people around us, that's what matters, not them. Uh, I don't think. But number two, what I think is more important than all the other stuff, like how you're going to go and talk to them and stuff, which we just discussed, is solutions, right? Yeah. And realistic solutions when we have hell lot of anger and it is jais. There's a word that we use in India called jais. Right, and it means un- rightful, because because children cannot defend themselves. Right? right, the Buddha never said, "Yo, beat beat children up." The Buddha would never, the Buddha never said that. Right. So people doing that, they know doing what Buddha would not like that. Right. Buddha Buddha had made distinctions between what he liked and he didn't like. Anyway, my point is, we need solutions. Okay, we need solutions for this trauma. Now, Vipassana, Buddhism, all this stuff is keeping us making us enjoy our lives for once. And I know what you mean. I can see it in you, bro. We are the same in that way. We came to Buddhism. We came to this meditation thing. And we found that little piece, that little tiny droplet of peace somewhere inside the Anapanasadi that took us. And it, it really does help. But I'm telling you one thing, man. You are sitting on a dragon of anger and hatred. And you cannot hold that dragon down with so a bottle like, cap. Here's the, here's the problem with you, Suresh. No, no, let me finish. You're trying to tell me, me what's happening with me let when me you don't know what the fuck that you're talking about. You're just let saying bullshit out of your mouth. Let so me you finish. Can, let you, me can finish. Ne- you cannot say anything about what I experienced I, on the inside. No, no, let me finish. Let me finish. That's I'm for, not no, no, no. I'm not going to let you finish. I'm not going to let you finish. It's for you. I'm not fighting you, Listen, I've heard what you're saying. Just it's for you to know for yourself, Sirash. No, just be a little equanimous, man. Just be a little equanimous. Just no, no, take no, no. It. no. Because you don't come here and Bro. tell me commands, tell me what I'm feeling, and then tell me what I, to do. I, I'm not speaking Sirash. about you. I'm not speaking about you, bro. I'm speaking about myself. I'm speaking about people I you know. know. I know you're talking about, about yourself. Yes. So keep it to yourself, buddy. I am. That's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. You know? Well, let, go, yeah, go, go, and take, go and take you, your advice. Go and take your teaching and go shove it up your ass. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, bro, don't be a little, don't like, don't get so afraid and don't panic right now. I'm what not afraid, doing? bro. I'm telling you the truth. Like no, there no, may listen. be some other people that this sit is... and li- like uh, maybe yeah. you come Watch. into contact with other people in your life that sit and listen to like what you're telling to them. No, but God, I'm not one of those people, Sharash. I, I do not give a fuck about what you have to bro, say. Look, Look, you're talking about Buddha, Buddha, Buddha. Just, I'm from this country, all right? We have. A, we I have do a not give history. a fuck where you're from, Sirash. We have I'm, a history. I do not care if you're from India. I don't care if your grandpa was Bro. the Maharashi or whatever. Maharashi. I, do <laughs> I do not care if he was uh, whatever look, look, look. place you uh, come from. Let me finish, man. Let me finish. It wasn't personal. Scott, calm down, man. I'm not trying to fight you, Bro. I have nothing to gain from this. So please don't make this about you and me. All right? It's not a fight. Let me just finish, no, man. Play, I, I don't play games with you, Siraj. I don't. I'm not games either, Scott. I'm just listening to you and I'm calling out what I think is bullshit. You can call I, out what you think is bullshit. Well, I, I don't give a fuck. You, you can, can go fuck off. Like, I do not I mean, give a fuck what you you're think. You're a child with your own cricket ball and your own cricket bat and you want to play yourself for me, bro. You're not going to grow like that. I don't give a fuck. But that's on you. If you are not able to have a... All right, have a good one, Sirash. Bro, you have to grow.